The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. In the Satipatthana Sutta, we've been exploring the fourth foundation and um, have explored the uh, instructions in the fourth foundation. At some depth, we've been exploring the instructions in the fourth foundation. We've been through uh, exploring the hindrances and the aggregates, and last time we started looking at exploring the sense bases. The sense bases is a um, kind of a way or a framework of exploring our experience through the realm of sense experience. The, the six sense bases in Buddhist understanding are the five physical sense bases that we all are familiar with from grade school, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch. And then in the Buddhist understanding, the sixth sense base is the sense base of the mind. So the, um, these sense bases work uh, together, although each of the sense bases has their own field so for instance you know the eye sees sights the ear does not receive sights you know so each of these uh, sense bases has its own domain its own field sight sound smell taste touch and mental objects all of these sense bases though do interact with the mind so that's how they're kind of pulled together. That's how our sense experience, our world of experience makes some coherence, has some coherence to it. Because the mind pulls together all of these threads, the thread of sight and sound, the sight of uh, something happening and the sound of it, you know, it pulls those together and, and makes it into co a coherent experience. And so in the exploration of the sense bases, there's an encouragement to uh, to understand the sense bases. So understand the eye and sight, um, just what what's going on there, and that involves understanding the processes of mind that are involved. Also, so um, um, we talked about the uh, the aggregates earlier, and just as a reminder, the aggregates are processes of body and mind that do this weaving together essentially of our experience so the um, um the aggregates are body or form um so each of the six each of the five physical sense bases is connected with that aggregate so the eye the ear the nose the tongue the the body the skin the the, the body um base all of those are connected to form and also connected to form is all of the um, objects that contact those sense bases so the sights the sounds the smells the taste the touch those are also included in form both the internal and external uh, form the base that is contacted and the meet the thing so the medium the the base is like the medium that receives experience and then there's what it receives so the eye receives sights the ear receives sound both of those are considered form 
So that's, you know, that's the connection uh, to the aggregate of form, how the six sense spaces connect to the aggregate of form. And then the other four aggregates are all mental processes, feeling, perception, mental formations, or uh, mental formations includes a big uh, field of uh, of of process in our mind that includes ideas, thoughts, emotions, um, um, states of mind. All of that is included in mental formations, and then the the fourth mental aggregate is consciousness. So with each of these sense bases, there's the the medium and then the object. And then there's the processes that arise when that um, medium is contacted by an object. And so this understanding, we are the, the understanding in the in the Satipatthana Sutta, the instructions for the sense bases are pretty simple, but they belie how complex the process is. So the, the instructions are one knows the eye and forms and the fetter that arises in dependence on both. And I'll get to fetter in a bit. That's kind of the big piece that I want to get to today, just doing a little recap of the sense bases right now. Um, and then one knows the ear and sounds and the fetter that arises in dependence on both. It also, go, the, the instructions go on for each one. I'll read the entire instruction for the eye. One knows the eye and forms and knows the fetter that arises in dependence on both. One knows how an unarisen fetter can arise, how an arisen fetter can be removed, and how a future arising of an unrisen fetter can be prevented. So all of that part sounds kind of complicated, but the and, and we'll we'll talk about all of that in, in just a bit. But the instructions around the sense base itself are simple. One knows the eye and forms. One knows the ear and sounds. One knows the tongue and flavors. One knows the body and tangibles. One knows the mind and mind objects. And yet that itself, the, the, um, the, uh, the kind of that contacting of how one knows that the experience has happened. That's a pretty, um, uh, amazing process, actually. It's described elsewhere in the suttas, um, and, uh, I'll, I'll, um, get into kind of detail in that in, in just a bit. But basically, you know, there's the eye and forms and the, the meeting of those already involves consciousness. It already involves the mind. And then there's feeling and perception that come into play as we, you know, recognize, as we, as we kind of, as that, uh, object is contacting the, the sense base, the medium, there's a feeling of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And there's a perception, a recognition of what has contacted. So there's knowing that there's a sight that's happened, and then what the sight is. Knowing that the sound has happened, and what the sound is. So all of that is involved in knowing the eye and forms, the ear and sounds. A, a real... Um, uh, understanding of the eye and forms, the ear and sounds, the body and tangibles, the tongue and, t and flavors, 
all of that is involved. It's not, it's not just a physical process. It is a physical and mental process. And they are tightly interwoven. So tightly interwoven that our expectations, the mind, what it thinks it might be, might get, what it might receive, influences what is received. So, um, so there's this interweaving between the physical and mental. And in terms of um, this instruction in the Satipatthana Sutta for the sense bases, the encouragement is to be curious about the fetter that arises in dependence on the sense base. So fetter, I talked about that last time a little bit. The, the definition of fetter has, there's multiple definitions of fetter. Um, the simplest one um, is really uh, just simply craving. You know, that wanting something to be a particular way. The greed and the aversion that arise in connection to what we experience. So in the guided meditation, I encouraged a, just a little bit of interest in that. And simply having some interest in the distinction between the sight and the relationship to it. The sight and the liking of it. The sight and the wanting more of it. The sound and the not liking of it. The sound and the wanting to get rid of it. That's a huge support for us in our practice because we start to see that our, um, the struggle that we have, the, the, the challenge that we face throughout our lives is is largely not in what is contacting the sense medium, but it is in how we relate to it. And so this exploration of understanding the I and forms and the fetter or the craving, the, um, the greed or the aversion, or sometimes confusion or, 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 or disconnection. It can be in the delusion area too. The greed, the aversion, or the delusion that arises connected with that sense contact. That understanding is, um, is really powerful. So Wendy, I see you have your hand raised, but I'm going to talk for a while and, and then take some questions. So, um, um, so the, um, um, the, the understanding or the recognition of, oh, this fetter, this craving is connected to the sense experience, but it is not, um, it's not the same as the sense experience. We start to see that there can be the possibility of a sense experience arising without that fetter, without that experience without that craving, that greed, that aversion. And we see then that the, we, we begin to recognize that that craving, that greed, that aversion, that delusion is a process that, that can be understood and through understanding it, it begins to unwind, it begins to release. And so this is a, a pointing to how we can begin to have less suffering in our in our lives through the understanding in in this in this sutta it encourages us to know the fetter 
that arises or the craving that arises in dependence on the I informs, and then also how that fetter arises. So that's what I'd really like to explore today. A little bit of that, some of the teachings that are connected to that, how this fetter arises. So um, before I start there, I'll check in with Wendy and see what, what's Wendy's question. You're still you're still muted, Wendy. I'm sorry. I was just chatting to you that uh, I probably need to listen to uh, your your previous lessons a little bit because I'm okay. new. So. Okay. Yeah. 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 No. Uh, no worries. That's I, I try to I try to give enough that the yeah. the information I offer is um, is um, understandable to some extent. So you know don't you don't have to try to think too much about about um, what I'm saying, just um, kind of go along for the ride and see what resonates, see what lands, and then you're welcome to go back and listen to. Um, can you talk about what's, uh, if you don't mind, what's the, fo- uh, I'm a little bit confused about the form, I am form, you're just talking about the, like, literally form. Oh, yeah, so, so the I and forms, what that, what that's referring to, so that, that language, one knows the I and forms, um, forms there are the sites. So just, you know, the, the, that's just a, a, the object that's a, the translation of the object for the eye field. And so the ear and sounds, the tongue and flavor. Right. So the eye is just the, 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 the sites right. basically. It could, it could okay. use sites there. One okay. knows the eye and sites. It could, it could say that. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. And do remember to mute yourself there. Okay. So how an unarisen fetter can arise. There's another, there's another teaching, and I might have explored this at least to some extent when we talked about the aggregates, because this, this teaching ties the aggregates and the sense bases together. It's, um, it's in the Majjhima Nikaya, it's um, called the Honeyball Sutta. It's Majjhima 18. Um, and it basically describes the process by which a fetter arises for each sense space. It, it, the, Buddha, the Buddha, well, actually, I think it's um, Mahakachana is doing this particular teaching. But this, this sutta describes um, the, the way that the process of perception, the process of sense experience works and how our minds get confused and how our minds get tied up and knotted up in this process. So this is really a description of how a fetter arises, remembering that fetter is basically greed, aversion, delusion. Um, so the, the language of this... Uh-oh. We may have talked about this uh, recently. I definitely have talked about it. I talked about it on a recent retreat. So I can't remember. I can't ever remember when I'm doing these teachings or not. But some of you may have heard this recently. Um, so it uses the same kind of language uh, as the Satipatthana Sutta. It starts there, dependent on the I and forms. So it starts there. So with I and forms, I consciousness arises. So this is bringing in the consciousness aggregate, 
dependent on the eye and forms eye consciousness arises. So that's just basically seeing. Seeing is happening. The eye sees the sight, and there's the consciousness of seeing that happens. So that's, that's I mean, it's, it's complicated language, but it describes something that we all know. Based on the ear and sounds, ear consciousness arises. Based on the nose and sense, smell consciousness arises. So we get this contact of physical experience. But right here, we're already tying body and mind together. We don't experience a sight without the consciousness. And so already, the, the, the this is really pointing to already how much the mind is involved in what we experience. We do not experience anything without the mind. In fact, everything that we experience is mind-made. The experience itself is, what we experience is mind-made. It's not, it's not actually the... Um, you know, the light waves coming from an object do participate in the creation of what we experience, but we're not actually experiencing, you know, when we see something like the wall in front of me, when I see that, what I'm experiencing is something that the mind has made, has made up. I just, my mind went into a direction that I'm trying to decide, do I want to follow that and describe it to you? I think I will, because it really pointed out to me just how much the perceptual process is responsible for the objects that we see. So um, this was um, a uh, an exhibit at the Exploratorium that I went to. I went to the Exploratorium. Are you all familiar with the Exploratorium? It's a science museum, basically. It's in the San Francisco area. Um, and um, uh, it's designed for interactive exhibits and exploring, and kids love it. I love it. You know, it's, it's, it's fun. It's a fun place to go. So I, I took my nephew there at one point, and we were, um, you know, we, I, we walked into the Exploratorium, and one of the first things I saw or noticed was Hanging from the ceiling of the Exploratorium, pretty far back, but I could see it as we walked in, were a whole bunch of rods hanging from the ceiling. They were probably spaced about three or four feet apart, these rods. I don't know how far apart they were. They seemed like that far apart. So pretty far apart. These rods were spaced pretty far apart. And they were flashing lights. So there was about 10, 15 of these rods spaced five, you know, five feet apart, flashing lights. And I looked at that and I thought, huh, I wonder what that's about. What's that? And, you know, then we just wandered around and went through our day. And 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 at one point we sat down and had a drink. We, we were just taking a little bit of a rest and we were kind of nearer to that exhibit. And my nephew was drinking and he was kind of gazing up at those at those rods on the ceiling. And, and, and he said, it's a school bus. And I looked up at the rods and I saw flashing lights of yellow. And I said, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And then he said, it's butterflies. <laughs> what on earth are you talking about? <laughs> and it took a while, actually, for me to see it. There's, there's kind of um, a way in which if if you allow your eyes to relax 
what happens what what happens with the perceptual field is like there's there's um they 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 somehow did this like um the 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 lights that were showing on on each bar were a little piece of as if you were looking through you know how sometimes if you look through the slats of a fence and something goes by you can kind of see it you know cuz your mind will create the 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 object on the other side well that's kind of what's happening here instead of there being a, a fence between there's just space between and the um i looked up at some point and my eyes relaxed just enough to see a school bus in that it's like that those those bars became a um a screen a big movie screen and on that movie screen there was driving across it it moved across it a school bus the detail that i could see was enough it was clear enough that i could read the name of the school district on the side of the school bus it was stunning it was stunning and then it changed to butterflies you know they changed the thing and there were these butterflies flying across um and so that that really you know it's like it looked like there was a screen up there but i knew there wasn't a screen there i knew it was created by the mind and that's actually how our senses work we're getting these little pixels of experience and putting it together in our mind so this is this is how perception works and so we have this the i informs and the consciousness and the um the uh the feeling and the perception then um of what we have experienced there's there's the contact of whether it's pleasant unpleasant or neutral many sights are pretty neutral but some we take to be pleasant some we take to be unpleasant sounds likewise and then what we perceive what we recognize of them so this sutta um the honeyball sutta describes it in this way dependent on the eye and forms eye consciousness arises the meeting of the three is contact so we have that contact we get the sight the sound the smell the taste the touch with contact as condition there is feeling what one feels that one perceives so that's what we we've, we've covered so far basically that's what we've talked about with that example of the exploratorium there's the the eye and the sight there's the the perception of school bus or there's the perception of bars flashing so there's the perception and there's a feeling of pleasant unpleasant or neutral the the school bus itself i'd say was was neutral the recognition of oh my gosh look at that there's a school bus that's driving across midair that was that was pleasant that was kind of but that was an idea that was pleasant you know so that's a mental thing that was pleasant so there's the, these pieces that come together of the um the what the mental processes connected to our sense experience with perception with what we've perceived then the sutta goes on that we with what one perceives we start thinking about it so we start thinking about what we've perceived like 
It's a school bus. It's wow. It's a school bus driving across midair. Wow. That's really cool. So that's, that's kind of the, the way the mind went in that particular situation. It started thinking about it. And then, um, um, you know, the next piece is what one thinks about that one mentally proliferates. This mental proliferation is translating a term papancha. And this term is it, this is really where the, um, this is really where the fetter, the craving is beginning to solidify. It's, um, um, there's there's many ways in which this happens, but let's let's step back to um, a simpler example than the school bus example, just to a um, you know a injuring ourselves. I think I used a bee sting last time. You know, so there's the bee. There's a, a bee sting. You know, if we we get stung with a bee, there's the um, the physical contact. There's the knowing of it. There's the unpleasantness of it. So there's the feeling of unpleasantness. There's the perception that it's a bee sting. Then we start thinking about it. Oh, it's a bee sting. And maybe we, we, um, you know, what am I going to do about this bee sting? So for some people, it can, it might just stop there. It might just be, oh, there's a bee sting. And, you know, I need to go inside and remove the stinger and treat it, whatever. So, so there'd be a little bit of thinking that happened following on. The thinking is not necessarily a problem. The thinking can be simply responding rather than reacting. But often that thinking will then further elaborate into a reaction. A a fear, a confusion, a, a, a resistance, an aversion, like maybe it's I was right in the middle of doing this thing and I need to finish it and I don't have as much time as I need and now I have to go take care of this and it's a problem, you know, I'm not going to finish this in time and, you know, so it might be that kind of reactivity. Or it might be a reaction based on previous knowledge of, you know, wow, yeah, I'm allergic to bees and uh, I, you know, some of this can be wisdom and skillful. I'm allergic to bees. I need to go inside immediately and take a, um, an EpiPen, you know, so, so kind of that. So there can be that kind of response. But there also can be, uh, um, you know, that, that kind of response of, oh, there's thought, those, that can be in the realm of thoughts. Stung by a bee, knowing I'm allergic get the EpiPen, that that does not have to have reactivity to it. But there can be reactivity that arises. Oh no, what if I can't find my EpiPen? Oh no, what if that reaction happens? You know, there can be a, a, um, a fear and a confusion and, a, and an aversion that arises in dependence on that, um, on those thoughts and on our history, on our conditioning. And so this process, so that the, the Satipatthana Sutta encourages us to look at the process by which a fetter arises. And so this includes seeing the pleasant, unpleasant, neutral aspect of experience, seeing the perception, and then recognizing that both, both based on the feeling and the perception, there's often thinking and reactivity that follow. So if we, if we 
know this process, we may be able to, with mindfulness, the whole point of describing this process is not just to hear about it and understand it, uh, you know, intellectually, but to begin to um, um, be curious about what's going on in our minds. When we can see, oh, there's this, um, this bee sting and there's unpleasantness there. Or we see a, um, a sight and we recognize that we're perceiving something. We recognize, oh, there's a, there's a beautiful, um, flower there. You know, then, then, and, th- and we feel the pleasantness of that. Then there may be the possibility to just recognize the pleasantness or just to recognize the unpleasantness or just to notice this is the perception. So the, the pleasantness and both of these perception and feeling kind of have their own, they, they have their own launching points for reactivity. Pleasant, unpleasant, neutral have a launching point into, um, liking, not liking, greed, aversion. When something's pleasant, we tend to like it. We want more of it. When something's unpleasant, we tend to not like it, want, want to get rid of it. And so the, the pleasant, unpleasant, neutral aspect has its own launching point into the fetter. The perception has a launching point towards the fetter through thinking and through papancha. So the, uh, what we perceive itself, what we perceive, um, is, uh, you know, arises based on prior experience, prior knowledge of what things are. And then there's also prior associations with what we've experienced, prior relationships. And often those prior relationships, that's sometimes called latent tendencies, those prior relationships influence how we relate to this one that's arising right now. So our perceptions then lead to this process of papancha. The simplest piece of the papancha, or the the most fundamental piece of papancha, let's say. So papancha, this mental proliferation, some of it is the the kind of reactivity, oh no, I've gotten this bee sting, and you know, what am I going to do, and I'm not going to have time. So some some of it is a proliferation of thought. You know, that's one way that papancha manifests. And we can see that proliferation of thought. Sometimes if we can see the the perception happening, you know, we can see, oh, what I'm seeing is that there's a bee sting or what I'm feeling is a bee sting. If we can recognize that, sometimes it kind of short circuits the movement to all the thinking and the proliferation. And so we can feel the benefit of the mindfulness right there through the seeing of how that craving tends to arise, there is already a benefit that we don't tend to get as caught by that craving, as caught by that proliferation. So the witnessing of it as pointed to in Satipatthana Sutta is so helpful, seeing how that that craving arises. The more fundamental form of papancha is kind of deep. It's really, really deep. It is basically the um, the confusion that our minds have. So this is in the realm of delusion. It's the confusion that our minds have that what we are experiencing. 
So I talked about this a little bit earlier, you know, the, that, that seeing the wall there, you know, that I, I, it feels to me, you know, that, that like I'm actually seeing the wall, you know, it's like that's, it's, it's so hard to recognize that that seeing is constructed by the mind. I have, I have had that experience of, of really clearly recognizing that. So I know that seeing that wall is constructed by the, by the mind, much as I, I really clearly knew that the school bus was created by the mind. But we often do not know that. And that uh, kind of belief, we could say, or view that what we are experiencing is what's actually out there. That's a form of papancha. That's, we could say that papancha is a kind of the reification or creation of the object out of the experience. Conceptualization, objectification, these words that we, we, like I look at the, at the lamp across the room and there is a lamp there. You know, it's like the, the mind creates that object and attributes a reality to the experience that I'm having. Another way that, that we can, you know, start to see the, the way this papancha works is when our perception makes a mistake. When perception is, is not perceiving actu- accurately, and yet we believe it is perceiving accurately. We walk into a room that's dimly lit, perhaps, or into a, you know, a barn that's dimly lit. This is a classic example from the suttas. And there's a coiled form in the corner, and we see it as a snake. A whole host of reactions arises in dependence on that. So there's the eye informs the coiled form, seeing it. Perception is snake. What arises is unpleasant, is perhaps fear, is get me out of here. You know, so, so there is that papancha that arises, but the papancha has actually happened earlier in just the belief that it's a snake. Now, it's useful to believe it's a snake because if it is a snake, it can protect us. And yet it's the, 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 the teachings point to the, the, um, you know, that actual belief of like, if you leave the room, leave that barn and go back and say, you know, don't go in there. You know, there's a snake in there, but somebody else is in there. Somebody else has come out of it and says, no, no, there's no snake in there. There's a rope in the corner, but there's no snake in there. You know, so, so the, um, the, uh, the, the perception influences how we relate to the experience. So the, um, um, the teachings go on and then say that based on our proliferation, not only the reactive proliferation, but just the beliefs of, yeah, there's a snake in there. You know, we might close the barn up, prevent anybody from going in, and it, there's nothing in there except a rope. So the, um, the, uh, depending on the, um, um, the papancha, the sutta goes on with what one has mentally proliferated, with that papancha as the source. Perceptions and notions born of that papancha beset one with respect to past, future, and present forms cognizable by the eye. Now that sounds really complex, but basically what it means is with the idea 
of the uh the papancha so in the case of um you know the this the snake the the rope as a snake we you know we create a whole host of or we have tendencies that are born that then influence how we perceive in future that situation so um this is real this is really the fetter the understanding around fetter the fetter not only of the reactivity but also the fetter of believing our experience to be what's out there that's a fetter of delusion essentially there's one more piece i wanted to bring in Okay, this, this, was, this was the piece. Um, so the remaining um, part of the Satipatthana Sutta says, one, one knows how an unarisen fetter can arise. And so this is not just knowing it intellectually, you know, based on this kind of description of how Papancha comes about, but seeing through experience essentially the distinction between the uh, the sense experience and all of the mental activities connected with that sense experience and the reactivity connected with that sense experience when we see that there can be if it's seen there, as I said earlier, there can be when we see, oh, this, how this process of the fetter arising, when that's seen, there can be a release from that fetter. There can be a um, very, it's very organic, you know, it's like we don't have to do that letting go of it. It, it, it can happen when the process by which that craving or that view is seen, the process by which it's created is seen, the mind can just let it go. It can, it can release it. And so the, the practice of mindfulness is really the way to removing the fetters. So that's the next one, how an unarisen fetter can be removed how an arisen fetter can be removed. When the fetter arises, mindfulness of it is our strongest ally. And how the future arising of an unarisen fetter can be prevented. The seeing of this process at work. And I I think I'll try to go over those a little bit more next week because I I mostly just talked about today how an unarisen fetter can arise. But how the future arising of an unarisen fetter can be prevented by understanding, the understanding of how this process works, the, the deep understanding of that. Like, for instance, my um, understanding that, yes, what I'm experiencing is created in the mind really helps the mind to recognize the reactions that are there also created by the mind and can can be held can be seen with mindfulness and can be released so that there's not the feeling or the idea that the reactions have to follow 
from the experience. There's an option. There's a possibility for a different relationship. And that's a very powerful understanding. Just that understanding can help us to navigate our world such that we don't have as much arising craving. When you've been practicing for some years, many people report this, describe this, that when you've been practicing for quite a while, you know, it's it's like there's still stuff that happens. There's still reactivity. But we also see there's a lot of ways, things that are happening that we are not as reactive to. And so that's essentially recognizing that reactivity is not arising. Sometimes it happens in retrospect like that. We, we recognize that fetters are not arising, often through re- realizing, wow, it would have been arising 10 years ago if I had been, you know, meeting this then before I had the practice. I would be so reactive right now. And that's not happening. 